Welcome to Try Try Again with Catherine Bellas, a podcast dedicated to relationships, one with yourself and others. Happy New Year 2021. This is the time we plan to implement all of those New Year's resolutions. We usually resolve to exercise more, eat better, lose weight, stop smoking or drinking, and stop indulging in some behavior we know does not serve us. Filled with hope, we make these resolutions, and for about 80% of us, by sometime in February, we're back to our old way of doing things. I've always felt New Year's resolutions after the indulgences and festivities of several weeks of holiday celebration were commensurate to someone who drinks heavily, wakes up in the morning with a hangover, and vows never to drink again. Once the negative consequences and pain fade from our memory, we return to our old and familiar behaviors. The other downside to New Year's resolutions is that often in failing to keep those resolutions for more than a few weeks, you might feel some guilt and a little self-loathing. And that's when negative self-talk can enter our brains, denigrating us for making the resolutions in the first place and certainly for not having the willpower to keep them. In vowing we will make these big changes, we often set ourselves up for failure. My suggestion is instead of, or if really needed, in addition to resolving to lose 20 pounds or exercise for two hours every morning or completely switch to a whole foods plant-based diet right away, perhaps look at some baby steps you can make, steps that will aid you down that path of health and self-improvement and may make other changes a little easier. Resolve to drink one glass of water each morning before you do anything, before your coffee, before your morning routine. Maybe you look at eating a whole food plant-based diet one day a week or one meal a day to start. And see how that one little change, that one little shift can cause you to feel just a little different, maybe just a little better. Setting realistic goals is one of the keys to meeting those goals. One of my concerns for the year of 2021 is that many of us have fallen into bad habits. What I'm hearing from people is less hygiene is happening. We don't have to necessarily put in the effort to get dressed, and we aren't seeing people a lot. Maybe we've picked up some bad habits this last year. Maybe when the work is done, we're so tired we just sit in front of the TV with our bag of Oreos or kettle salt and pepper chips or glass of wine, and we veg. A study published in the European Journal of Social Psychology says it takes 18 to 254 days for a person to form a new habit, concluding that on average, for most people, it takes about 66 days for a new behavior to become automatic. The reason for the discrepancy in the 18 to 254 is some habits are a little easier than others. If you're trying to Remember to drink a glass of water in the morning. That might be a little easier than getting off heroin. Before even making those New Year's resolutions, if you have not already done so, consider any habits you picked up this last year that you feel aren't serving you and look at ways to change those first. Bring them into session with you when we see each other over the next week or so. In prior podcasts, I've talked at length about the importance of the morning ritual or routine that feeds you and centers you for the start of your day. Now I'd like you to consider how you end your day. Are you on your phone or some kind of social media? Are you watching television or the news? 
What's the last thing you do in the evening? Consider if it relaxes you or numbs you. Does it knock you out? Or does it set you adrift into the subconscious and the deep work of sleep? Do you gain from your evening routine? What if I told you there was a new medication on the market that can reduce stress up to almost 70%? 70, not 17. I'm imagining many people would rush out to buy it. It does exist, but not in a pill form, more like a tablet. As your therapist, I'd like to encourage you to do something the last half hour or even the last 10 to 15 minutes prior to falling asleep at night. Invite the scholars and the ancients and the storytellers into your bed and into your head each night. Read before falling asleep. Have a to-be-read pile next to your bedside within easy reach. If a stack of books is not quite your thing, then use your Kindle, your tablet. I know some people struggle with reading, and particularly with depression and anxiety, difficulty concentrating can be a problem. I would encourage you to try it anyway, especially if you haven't for a while, just as an experiment. But if reading absolutely doesn't work for you, then go to Audible or some other program where books are read aloud to you or listen to literature on a podcast or some other platform. A 2009 study from researchers at the University of Sussex found that even as little as six minutes of reading before going to bed reduces stress for up to 68% for many people, clearing the mind and readying the body for sleep, even more so than music or a cup of tea. The author of that study, Dr. David Lewis, said that reading is more than merely a distraction, but an active engaging of the imagination which causes you to enter an altered state of consciousness. And of course, it makes sense. For our toddlers and our children, we read a bedtime story before falling asleep. And I'm sure I don't need to review for you the benefits of reading, but in short, besides relaxing and promoting sleep, it also engages our imagination. It causes us to focus, and it improves our knowledge base. There's also a 2013 study in Science Magazine that says when we read literary fiction, we build empathy because literary fiction typically focuses on characters and their innermost feelings and thoughts, and it helps readers empathize. Another reason why reading to our children and having them read is so critical. And of course, as in all things, if you have children around, you are role modeling healthy life skills and behavior. I also recommend couples read to one another in the evening. You can then spend time the next day discussing your thoughts about what was read. It's a great way to emotionally connect. Now, where to start? If you're uncertain, please let me know, and I am happy to help direct you. You can also Google topics or books to read. If you have a reader in your family or friend circle or somewhere in your life, seek out their opinions. Book lovers love making recommendations. Books I often recommend and have probably recommended to you in the past are The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, Necessary Losses by Judith Bjorst, Things Fall Apart by Chinua Achebe, The Mockingbird by Harper Lee, Anything by Doris Kearns Goodwin or David McAuliffe or Thomas Merton or Richard Rohr, that's R-O-H-R. Look into biographies or autobiographies of people in whom you're interested there's The Language of Letting Go by Melody Beattie, Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, 
The Great Gatsby is another wonderful book of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. All the Light You Cannot See. Some of these titles that I've just suggested are self-help or self-exploration. In fact, I think most books are self-exploration, but many of these would be considered literary fiction. So pick up anything that interests you and start reading. Once you institute this, please let me know if you find you're sleeping better, if your experience matches the research. And I would welcome any book recommendations you care to make. Have a week filled with meaning and love and lots of reading and sleep.